All right, folks, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck nicks? What the fucking How are you? How is everyone? This is Mark Marin. This is my show, WTF. Thank you for joining me. I'm in my garage, sweating here at the Cat Ranch on lunch break from shooting the second season of Marin on IFC. Scrambled back here to the house to get this done. I'm sick. I'm under the weather, but I'm okay. Thanks for asking. You know, I've got my problems, but uh, let's try to stay positive. Can we do that? Can we just stay positive for a few minutes? What is going on? What is going on? Alan Havy is on the show. Uh, Alan Havy is a comedian, a New York comedian uh, who was always there. He's, he's been out here for years, but when I was uh, coming up, uh, he was around. Pretty big influence on a lot of people that you know and love, like the Attells and the John Stewarts of the world, and always had an edge to him. Uh, Hell of a comic, one of the great club comics. He also was an actor as well, and he, he was on uh, the last season of Mad Men as the, uh, I think he was the, the head of the other advertising agency gunning for the Chevy account. But, uh, but Havy's a real deal, man. He's the real deal, and it was, uh, it was great to get to talk to him. And ironically, it's not ironic, that's not a good use of the word. And coincidentally, a, a, a mistake people frequently make between the two, uh, Brian Kopelman the uh, writer, director, producer, uh, wrote the movie Rounders, wrote the movie Ocean 13, produced some movies, Solitary Man, he wrote and directed. Uh, but the first time I met Brian Kopelman was with actually with Alan Havey, and Brian Kopelman just wrote the sweetest piece about my interview with Jim Brewer uh, for Grantland. If you want to go uh, go find that, it's uh, it's on the, the Grantland blogs. But uh, what, a, what a nice piece, and, and he's a big fan of the show, and you know, I'm a fan of his work, and I appreciate the, the thoughtfulness of that piece. Because i, I got to be honest with you, sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and sometimes uh, when it's put into context by a guy that appreciates what I do, it, it means a lot to me. means a lot to uh, my producer as well. And, uh, you know, we just saw it was a very thoughtful piece, and yeah, we loved it. And, and it made me think about me in a different way. In a, in a good way. <laughs> that, which is certainly different. But uh, go check that out. It was a sweet piece. So what's going on, man? I uh, Oh, fucking hell. I got this, uh, whatever it is, whatever it is, I got it on Friday. We, we did a 13-page day, and I know that doesn't mean a lot to many of you, and, and I'm not even sure it would have meant anything to me after last year, but you know, when you're on a shooting schedule, we're, we're doing an episode of Marin, uh, one episode every three days, which is crazy. We're not in a studio, we're out in the world, we're shooting, and uh, it's a hell of a schedule. So these are 12 to 13-hour days. And, you know, an eight or nine page day is a big day. We did 13 pages last week. I did lose my shit towards the end of the day. Uh, tried to keep it together. I'm not a prima donna, but uh, there are moments where the, everything just collapses. That the empire that I built up in my brain just starts to fall apart. And I realize it's not built on strong soil. It doesn't have a good foundation. And uh, just a lifetime's worth of anxiety and nervousness and anger will unleash eventually if the mood is correct. But it wasn't a bad, uh, it wasn't a bad outburst, and you know sometimes it's, I think it's par for the course. It was very short, and I apologized very quickly after it. But the point I'm trying to make is, I think I, I think I blew my immune system gasket, and I got ill on Friday night. And then you go through that weird. I don't know if there's a five stages of sickness process, but uh, with me, I go right from getting sick to like, who fucking gave me this? Who the fuck? 
I wanted to. I wanted someone to take responsibility for why I was sick. It's very hard not to resent the person you know drug it into your house. But I, obviously, some of you with kids who know that uh, you get sick every other week because the kids bring it in, and you don't go to the school and track down you know patient zero at the elementary school who got your kid sick. That would be weird. That I, it would be it would be something I'd like to see, but it would be odd. So I had to let that go because a lot of people on set were sick, and I just had to ride it out. But I didn't know what was going to hit me, man. I didn't know what was going to hit me. And then I get into bed Sunday night, and I'm like, I'm starting to feel like, oh god, that's I got a little bit of a chill there, a little bit of a chill. And then I sweat it out, and that's those are the weird times. Those are the sad times when you're alone, when there's nobody to treat you like a child when you're ill. And there I was sweating it out in bed, going through three shirts up every hour with the chills going oh god out loud wondering if my neighbors heard me because i was angry at being sick and i just was feverish and i was laying in bed and that's no time to reflect on your life in the midst of a fever where things are slightly hallucinatory you're not gonna have a good attitude about shit are you i'm just sweating it out i'm thinking like dude you're all right you're not dying you know things are going okay got a little bit of money in the bank you're shooting a show you know, the romantic outlook is changing. Things are going good. And then the sick brain said, yeah, what fucking difference does it make? Huh? What difference does it make? Look how fragile you are. Look at you shivering in your bed, sweating it out. Look at how temporary it could be. This could be it. You don't know what's going to happen. You could get pneumonia. Freaky shit happens. Your heart could just fucking stop in the middle of this fever. What difference does it make? And I said, you're right. What difference does it make? And then some other part of me said, Dude, don't talk to the sick Mark. All right, just shut him up and ride it out. You're just a little sick. And I started thinking like, fuck, what if I, well, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. You have to go to work tomorrow. The show's got your name on it. You can't just stop production. There's a hundred people involved. You're just going to cry and show up sick. Fucking man up. Be a pro, you pussy. And I'm like, now which side of me is talking to me now? Because sick Mark was definitely preferable to, you know, uh, Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, Mark. I don't, I'm not sure I enjoyed the two of you inhabiting the same space. You know, what difference does it make? Shut up. Shut that guy up. Fucking just man up and go to work. All right, I got it, fellas. Can you shut up and let me sleep? <coughs> so I made it to work. I was still a little feverish, but we knocked it out. I did all right. And then uh, on Monday, oh, surprise. Looks like you're getting a cold sore along with your sickness. What the fuck? I got to be on camera? Going to be look like I got hit in the mouth? All right, Valtrex, we can do this. Let's do this. Took two Valtrex. Nothing. Didn't fucking kick the cold sore's ass. Took another one. I'm saying, I got to knock this shit out. That didn't, you know, wasn't working. Then took two more that night. Nailed it. Got rid of that motherfucker. Excuse my language. So last night I took some NyQuil. And that stuff is magic. Why can't that be a daily thing? Why isn't NyQuil something that you should have every night or perhaps with breakfast once you get used to it? I could totally see how that could be a recreational drug. Anything that's made to make you go to sleep, if you don't go to sleep, it's a recreational drug. I used it properly. I got into bed because basically if you, if you don't want to go to sleep and just want to take the edge off, you know, you just like, you don't do what it tells you to do. I'm taking NyQuil, but I'm staying up because that's, that's the buzz I want to feel. That's how I want to live life. Awake and on NyQuil. So I took it, knocked me out, and uh, it was weird, man. I can't remember taking NyQuil ever, really. But I had some weird dreams. And it's weird when you're on NyQuil because you have a dream and then you wake up and then, you know, you go back to sleep and it's like a whole different channel. It's almost like you, you have to reset. 
But I had a straight up edible fucking dream. I'm, I don't even know why I'm sharing it with you. Well, because I need things to talk about. And this happened. And all I remember is I'm at, I'm at dinner. I'm at a restaurant with my father and his wife. And I'm sitting at another table away from their table. And he's talking to his wife about how uh, I screwed up his marriage to my mother. That, and he was basically insinuating that uh, I swept with my mother. And he was shooting me stink guy. My father, to his ex, to his current wife, is shooting me stink guy, suggestively saying that uh, that that you know that I, implying that I'd slept with my own mother in the dream. And in the dream, all I really remember about it was that I was sitting there thinking, like, yeah, that was stupid. I shouldn't have done that. That was a dumb idea. I shouldn't have done that because now I got problems with him. I don't know if this is resolvable. Then I woke up. I woke up thinking like, yep, I slept with my mom. Dad's, you know, justifiably angry. And I don't think I'm going to be able to, I don't think I'm going to be able to make this right. And then I went back to sleep and I had a weird dream that my friend Brendan had decided that he was going to wear a, a cap, that he'd gotten this very nice cap and it was a new hat and that was who he was going to be. He was going to be a guy that wears a cap. That's my, uh, my producer, Brendan McDonald, is now a, in my dream, just a guy who's very committed to wearing a cap and apparently me and my dad are not okay because I slept with my mom. Isn't the subconscious interesting? Isn't it? Put that on the label. I'd like to see that warning, right? Makes sense. Uh, side effects. Profoundly disturbing dreams that will make you wonder what's really going on inside of you. That's a, that's a good side effect warning. Yeah, put that on there, Vix. Okay? All right, good. Let's talk to Alan Havy. Alan Havy, who I've known forever. Mark Marin. Yeah. We've known of each other, but we really don't know each other. No, that's right. That's right. No. I was always intimidated. I assumed you didn't like me. You were callous, harsh. <laughs> I felt that. Uh, <laughs> every time I saw you at the cellar, I was frightened. I thought I was going to- You were frightened of me? A little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, Romano says he was intimidated by me. Well, you're an intimidating guy. You don't know if you're pissed off or at, you, at me specifically. I take everything personally, as do right. a lot of comics. So I just assume, like, well, you know, I don't know what the fuck I did to rub that guy wrong, but uh, but it seemed like it was just life at the time, maybe, or maybe it's just the way you are. I mean, you're not angry at we uh, weren't, or no. The only thing I've had a problem with you or any comedian is, <laughs> is uh, it, we're time. too sensitive. Time <laughs> on stage, you right, go okay. over, and I think you opened for me at Caroline's in the Punchline uh -huh. in a period of a year, and both, both times you go over five, six, seven minutes, and I and I would say something, you'd look at me, hey man, I'm like doing my thing. <laughs> I'm up there. I'm talking to the people. I'm in touch. I was like, "Oh, geez, okay." I th oh, so that was it. That 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 was it. It's and, a time, and I understand that. And here's the thing: when I'm in a comedy club, yeah, I'm not relaxed. Yeah, I'm not like, "Hey, I'm hanging out with the guys." <laughs> after after my set, I'm fine. Yeah. Beforehand, I'm kind of got my set in my head, and mm -hmm. and you know, I'm, I'm about to work, and yeah. it's important to me. Yeah. So I think that has hurt me, especially early in my comedy career when I really didn't. I didn't have. I don't drink before yeah. I go on. I yeah. don't get high before I go on. Yeah, I kind of make my set listen. It's you know. Yeah, it's important. Yeah. So that's what you say. Yeah. 
Um, and, and also, but the time thing that probably kind of that probably stuck for a while. That that can stick for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, there's a guys who would, would always go over. I had to confront one guy. This is in the eighties. Yeah, and he was shocked. I go, dude, you got to stop doing this. It's unprofessional, <laughs> you know. And I'm from old school. You know, I grew up watching Johnny Carson. Right. My dad would wake me up yeah. when I was eight. Yeah, to watch eight. Johnny. Oh yeah. So yeah. I heard about show business and I got the rules down mm-hmm. and, and all that professionalism. And I got into theater. Yeah. At, at a high school. Yeah, and that was I had really good theater schools: Miami Dade Community College North Campus, yeah, and Florida State University. Had really good teachers. There was a good professional attitude. I worked with good people. But with comedy, though, with with comedy, like uh, you just get. I mean, it's not pre- it's it's a lack of professionalism. But then there's a sort of weird entitlement to the middle. That middle position is, uh, you know. When when someone's opening or you're headlining and there's right. a middle position, right. that's you can't fucking lose in that position. So for no, but so why know, go over? Right, and it, just it, to it, kill even more, just it, to, to 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 put it up the headliner's ass even more. And you're not listen. I want to follow good feature acts. <laughs> yeah, I followed you, Stuart Attell. I, I had no problem. I followed Robin Williams over the years. I followed Chris Rock. As long as people do their time, I'm happy. Make the crowd happy. And you've got the cake spot. The MC eats it up front. The feature act, you got, what, 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. It's golden. Yeah. I did it to Colin once, too, and I I, I do, I'm an, I, I, I go over, I do. And I, and still, I'll, still, you go, well, you're headlining now, right? Yeah, well, then you, then you actually do too long. I'm one of those guys that's sort of like, hey, you, sh- you could have stopped 20 minutes ago. There that was doesn't no, surprise me. Yeah, no, I know. No. It's and bad. still you do it? I do it a lot of times because I don't think that uh, I, if I don't feel like I'm having a great show, I'll go longer just so they can't say that I, you know, I didn't try. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> if, if I suck and I'm not feeling it and I only have to do 50, I'll do an hour and 20. No, the next time, yeah. sir, do 50, <laughs> 51 and get off. You'll be, because if you're in bed uh, with a woman and she's horrible lover, yeah. you're horrible loving, yeah. maybe I'll, I'll stay here another hour. Right. It, no, it no. doesn't get better like you, that. You don't keep trying to No, make... 50 minutes is plenty of time. It is, right? Yes. Okay. 45, it's, it's not about the length of the show, it's about the, the quality. But, yeah. You look at, you know, Born to Run, the album? Yeah. It's under 40 minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's a great album. Yeah. 39, 58, something like that. That's a good analogy, actually. Yeah. I, I think I need to tighten up my act and stop floundering so much. I mean, a lot of times I leave a lot of room for uh, not B-sides, but, you know, sort of, you know, just kind of like, let's noodle for a little while. Let's... And that's great. Yeah. No, I'm not saying, hey, you got to structure your act and make sure. It's... But, it's, you know. And just kind of like a free space, like, hey, what's going on? A new thought comes yeah, into yeah. your head. Yeah. There's somebody up yeah. front who, like, gives you a look like, what yeah. was that about, buddy? Yeah, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Let's yeah. engage. Yeah. But then let's get back to the <laughs> to time. The, to the 50. To Born to Run. We got to go. Oh. Went, Get back to Born to Run. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And there's a ballad in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's, <laughs> there's a there's a trumpet solo. You could do a little of that. There's some great, there's anthems right. in that album. Yeah. But you can get it all done under 40, 50 Under 40. Minutes. Yeah. <laughs> if Springsteen, now live, Springsteen is a different guy, but I'm just saying, yeah, when you that's do, why he doesn't have an opening act. That's right. He can do three hours. I've never been that guy. So you didn't, You where'd you grow up? Miami. You born, did? Born in St. Louis, raised in Miami. So no time in St. Louis. Uh, no, but would go back and visit a uh, family and was always connected there. My parents are buried there. Uh, I just did a benefit for Tony LaRusso for the- uh, his, I, I just sent him money. His ARF yeah. thing. Yeah. The pet thing, right? Yeah. 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 
I did a benefit for that. All my cousins came out. Yeah. Only time I uh, performed in St. Louis, so that was great. That was in January. What do you, I have no sense of St. Louis. Do you? I mean, is it a great American city? I mean, do you? Yeah, and people are really nice. Yeah? Yeah, I forgot that. Well, I haven't been there in 21 years. My mom died like 21 years ago. I went there for the funeral. Right. And it was always around family, but this time I went back and just hung out downtown. People are really nice. I mean, there's water there, right? There's a there's Mississippi River. Right, and then there's the arch. The arch. Did you ever go in that? Oh, yeah, when I was a kid. Once, right? Yeah. yeah. That's all I needed. <laughs> that, that weird curving elevator didn't feel great to me, but it was nice and to You can't even feel it. It just, yeah. that was psychological. Right. They, they do shift. You right. can't tell you're curving, but in your mind. I knew. Yeah. I knew I was curving. <laughs> So you, uh, so you, grew but the up Cardinals, the yeah. baseball team. Yeah. That's where I connected. Oh, okay, growing You're up baseball in Miami. Game? Yeah, growing up in Miami, the Yankees were playing the Cardinals in '64. Yeah, and it was Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle. That's all you ever heard. Kids right. in Miami, right. all. So I go home excited, tell my dad, "Hey, uh, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris are in the World Series." Yeah, yeah, they're playing the Cardinals. Yeah. That's our, it's uh, your hometown. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Cardinals. Well, <laughs> but it's a Yankee. You can root for anyone you want for. But who's going to win? How are they going to beat the Yankees? Yeah. I'm going to root for the Cardinals. You root for anyone you want to. So that was your relationship with him? Yeah. <laughs> that was the way my dad handled that. And so I, mean, I said, no, I'm going to root for the Cardinals. Yeah. And they won. They beat the mighty Yankees. Must have been you guys that did it. Seven games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the way I feel. Yeah, yeah. You had that power. Yeah. So you grew up with your dad? And mom, family. Oh, but they all, everyone was in Miami. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like That's another place I don't understand. I mean, I go. I, I used to hate Florida, and now I've grown to, to love it because it's a fucking freak show. It changes every 20 it's, minutes. It's fucking ridiculous. Well, how'd you, where'd you grow up? North right. Miami, simple suburbs, right by the church. We belonged to a parish, raised Catholic, a block from the school and church. It was like a little Mayberry for us. Rode our bikes in the neighborhood. Were you fenced in and protected from the Jews and the... Um, I mean, <laughs> didn't really know. It, it, didn't there were some Jewish kids in the neighborhood? Yeah. But we just hung out with our friends from school, sure. Catholic, and yeah. then, there was a there was a public school. Yeah, so Jewish people were public people. <laughs> you're, if you weren't Catholic, yeah, sorry, yeah, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we feel for you. You yeah. know, it's not your fault necessarily. You're young. If God but... lets me, I'll drop some water down. <laughs> I can't. What can I do? That's a true thing, though. Uh, any religion that says, look, you know, we tolerate all other religions. You have the freedom to believe what you want, but you're wrong. You're, yeah. you're wrong yeah. if you don't believe like us. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that people weren't Catholic. Yeah. I was born in America, yeah. white, yeah. Catholic, yeah. and a male. Yeah. Come on! I was I felt so lucky. I felt God really loves me because he he made me a white male American, yeah, and Catholic. But Catholic, you grew up with all of that. I mean, you believed it. You have what? Oh, do you have, God, do you yeah. have nine brothers, sisters? No, no, twelve, uh, four so, in the family. Yeah, one uh, older brother, two younger sisters. Yeah, I, I bought it all. Yeah, yeah. It when, was great. It was really it, simple. Is it back? Did it go away? Do you still oh, yeah. believe? Oh, it went away. It went away. <laughs> do you when remember I, the moment? Oh, that, oh, yeah. As I look back, I remember yeah. what happened. As right. I look back in my life, I'm a, I was a classic underachiever yeah. in uh, after fourth grade mm -hmm. and high school. Mm -hmm. Classic underachiever. Failed seventh grade, squeaked by summer school, didn't give But apathetic. did they always say that you were smart? Yes. That, yeah, so I got yeah. that too. So why, yeah. if you know I'm smart, why do I need to prove it? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's We know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, apparently, you're smart. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> so do I have to do this work? No. It's like 
it's like sometimes as a comedian, I go, "Come yeah. on, I'm funny. Yeah, haven't I done enough? Yeah, yeah. I've done enough sets. I've, <laughs> I've done enough television. Can I? Can I? You know, just give me a big chunk of money. Yeah, and, and I'll still be funny. But come on. Yeah, yeah. Just give it to me. But okay. you can't. You got to go up and prove yourself every time. What is it? So what? What was? How's the underachiever connected to Catholicism? Nine years old, my dad pulls us out of school. Yeah. Uh, my brother, my sisters, and I doesn't say anything. Mm. We get in the car. I go, you know, something's wrong with mom. Go, hey, your mom's fine. Like he read her mind. Drives us out near the airport. We park. Air Force One pulls up. Out walks JFK and Jackie. Our father wanted us to see the president. Mm. But the, it was important to him. So I'm on my father's shoulders. Yeah. Like, holy God! There's first time I've seen him in color. Yeah. You know, holy. My brother snuck up, and and I tried to sneak up, and finally I asked Amanda. Pick me up. Yeah, you can do yeah, that yeah. when you're a kid. Pick sure. me up, mister. Yeah. And I picked up, and there's Kennedy leaning over the fence, shaking my brother's hand. Oh, my God. And, other, and it was just, my God. That was a Monday. Yeah. Friday, he was assassinated in Dallas. Oh, he went from Florida to Dallas? Yeah. He was there on the 18th of 1921, 22. He was, it was a Monday to that. And you day. remember the excitement, like, there's the president. Yeah, oh, God. It was yeah. like, first of all, he was Catholic. Yeah. He so was, that, he, he, yo, God, yeah. God, God wants a Catholic president. This is it, man. Yeah. Come on, we yeah. are the chosen people. Right. And so when he was assassinated, nobody had an answer. Not not the nuns, not the priests, not my parents, not the Walter Cronkite. Who, and then Oswald gets killed, and I watch The Untouchables. Yeah. I knew something was going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the way God wanted So that was the first thing, like, oh, God yeah. couldn't protect the most powerful Catholic in the world. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to give a shit about me, right? And so the guy, and then a couple years before that, I, I found out there was no Santa Claus, and I kind of so it was, that was a little swimming. weird. Yeah, it was already going away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so that was a little weird. Yeah. And then Kennedy, forget about, it. and everybody cried. Parents, yeah. teachers. Yeah. So now I didn't know it then, but as I look back, my oh, that's where I kind of I saw the bullshit. I think everybody in the world did. I think everybody in the country did. I think that moment was this baptism in in faithlessness to in terms of you know what you know what America is what it means and you know what can happen and then the hits just kept on coming yeah you know Martin Luther one, King one after the other uh, Robert F Kennedy uh, but for a nine year old yeah who I really kind of bought I was a good Catholic kid I mean yeah. I believed I was an altar boy oh oh this is a system yeah. got it yeah right you know somebody can just kill the guy. Yeah. In front of everybody. And God's not going to come down to, oh, protect you. So, yeah. you know, when we had those illustrations in school where Angel is helping us cross the street, yeah. we all had a guardian angel. Where, where was the one in Kennedy's car? Yeah, it wasn't there. <laughs> wasn't and, there. And here is a real conflict for me. Yeah. You watch Mad Men, right? Yeah. I'm Sally's. I'm a year older than Sally. Yeah. During those years, right? Right. The women in Mad Men, that's the way the women dressed in church. Without the cleavage. When you were a kid, you remember. Yeah. And you're in the show now. I mean, you play a part on that. Yeah, but that, here's my point. I want to yeah. get back to this. The women in Mad Men, you know, except yeah. for all that cleavage, yeah. that's the way they dressed in church when right. I was a kid. Right. I got so horny. Yeah, of course. And yeah. Sunday, when I got home from church, I had to whack off. Yeah. I started at six. So yeah. it was like, I thought, I'm a horrible person. I just came from church, and I'm horny <laughs> as hell, and I'm thinking about sex in church. Yeah. And the women were dressed in the nights. That's yeah. back when people dressed up. Right. You didn't go into church without a jacket at the Yeah. And did you have to go back to church to, to uh, confess? Had to wait till Saturday. Huh? You confessed on Saturday. So you had to wait a week. Church, you had to I sit had to, with it for a week. Yeah. And I said, boy, if I get hit by a truck, right. I'm, I'm, I'm in hell. But didn't you get a few more in during the week? You're like, well, Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that way you can just group them up. <laughs> yeah. You know. 
You know, you know. I got to apologize for one. Get confessed to one. Why not, why not seven? Saturday morning. Yeah. Forget about it. Just wake up, whack off, go come out feeling pure. But Until. did that work? Confession, like I have no, I have no sense of, of being brought up with real religion in terms of believing in anything. And, you know, I was a Jew, but it, it didn't mean much. But when you confessed, was there? Did you feel relief in your heart? Did you feel? Well, I absolved? felt relief in my conscience when I was a kid. But then, as I got older, and I kind of talk to, uh, it was open confession. You sit down with the priest and tell him your sins. And oh, no booth. No, no booth. Uh-huh. And then the priest would kind of well. And then I remember priest saying, it was, "I was a freshman in high school." He goes. Masturbation's fine. <laughs> I was just like, <gasps> thank oh my God, this rock. <laughs> you know, it's a, oh, you know. But thank God he didn't say, let's do it together. No, no, no. <laughs> By the way, yeah. I worked in a rectory yeah. with priests. I, I've, I've had priests as teachers yeah. and, and my wife, not a scintilla of any uh, conduct, misconduct, you know. As a Catholic, though, like as somebody who was brought up with it, and as somebody, like whether your faith has lapsed or not, I, I imagine the church meant something to you at some time. Absolutely. What was what did, were your reactions to that, That this sort of epidemic of it? Well, I mean, as far as a uh, private sector goes, yeah. uh, the public sector or everything, it's, it's the same percentage of pedophiles. It's mm-hmm. a cover-up that really... Right. bothers me and the heartbreaking thing for me is a lot of priests I knew were some of the finest men shaped my life Yeah, and the fact that they're kind of lumped into this I do a joke about priests too Yeah, but it's the cover up Right, and that's what really makes me angry I do not support the Catholic Church anymore Right, I don't go to Mass anymore because of that yeah I go to weddings and funerals Right, and I'll go in and light a candle I'll have a Mass said for someone who's passed away because I'm still a Catholic Right, you cannot get rid of it you can't get it out no you can't and <laughs> I guess for a while I tried to. Yeah, you know, but no, it's still in there. Yeah. I remember my grandmother gave me a glow-in-the-dark Virgin Mary yeah. statue. Yeah. And I would, she'd put it on my bedside. Yeah. Because he knew we were yeah. whacking off. <laughs> and so I would wait for the phosphorescence to die before I whacked off. She's not looking now. No. Yeah. That, that's what. And I, I would always say, please, Virgin Mary, just one, one more time. Did you turn it around? Just one more time. No, no. I just waited for the glow to stop. I didn't want to put it in the drawer. Yeah. You know. So, all right. So you're an underachiever. How long did that go on for? Till uh, I got out of high school. How'd you get into college? I went to community college. Okay. You know, wouldn't and talk to my guidance counselor in high school. Yeah. What do you want to do? I go. Well, I, I want to be an actor. Yeah. I want to go to New York and, and get into show. So acting was the first thing. Yeah. Tell me about this thing about your dad waking you up. Was it to watch comedy or just to Carson. watch Carson? Carson. At any time or anything specific? Like it couldn't be every night or you could Well, a couple or... nights he did and then I'd sneak out and stuff right. like that. But I was chosen in kindergarten yeah. to play a, a priest in the skit. Oh, I, I, I would love to see kindergarten plays. I mean, I just, like, it's got, because you've taken it seriously. You think you're pulling it off, right? Well, they brought in, yeah. in kindergarten, a giant tape recorder. This is 1960 now. Yeah. A giant tape recorder, yeah. and they brought it in, and I'm in the back. Yeah. Because I always sat in the back of the corner and go, wow, it's show business. Yeah. Wow, there's a microphone. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the nun said, you come up, and everyone speaks their name, and whoever yeah. speaks the loudest and yeah. the clearest gets it. So yeah. I watched everybody. I was one of the last ones, and yeah. I, man, I just... <laughs> Alan Have and and so they played it back and we you know listen to kids mumbling and Alan and everyone looked at me I go I nailed my first audition you know I didn't know that then but and so I got up in front of people and I remember adults laughing and smiling I was probably blowing my lines and yeah yeah priests patted me on the oh, head they love it they love it yeah. and I'm thinking and this is 1960 
you were seen and not heard. Yeah. That is not just an expression. Right. Kids were just, you know, yeah, yeah. hello, how do you do? And I get the hell out of here. Yeah. And I had that attention and focus. So that branded me. Yeah. And I always liked being funny after that. And your dad was in, like, what did your dad do? He rented, he was in the moving business, rented cars and trucks, but he was a frustrated actor. Comedian. He was too? Yeah. Like, yeah. did he perform ever? Uh, he got up public speaking. He liked to talk. He liked to tell stories. Uh-huh. I, I, in the Marines, he would sing, you know, when the guys uh, got bored. He was a Marine. Yeah. So he grew World up with War that. War But he, he wasn't, yeah, he was kind of tough that way, but he was very angry. I think he was frustrated. Yeah. When, right before he died, and I was already a professional comic, we're in the backyard. I go, would you have done it all over again? Married mom? Yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah. Then he said, no. <laughs> no, I would have. I would have <laughs> ma- married your mom, but I would have gone to New York. I should have gone to New York. And my mother said, because I went to New York yeah. and my career, you know, I started putting a little career together, yeah. it made my father angry and rethink what he did. Was was she guilting you or was she No, just no, gone? she just said, this is what, I'd come home and I, I, I go, why is he angry at me? I think your father's a little jealous. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. You know, it just, he was, but he was very happy for right, me. Right. Supportive, brought people right, out. Right, So there wasn't any of that, but it was like, he, and he told me. He goes, I couldn't be more proud of you than if you were a lawyer on the Supreme Court arguing a case. Right. Uh, uh, just let me. So I love you. We, you know, there was affection in our lives. Yeah. It was okay to cry for a reason. Yeah. So he wasn't one of those tough, cold guys. He was, uh, he had a pretty good heart. Yeah. But I think, you know. Do you remember the the, what, the moment that it, it sunk in that like you were you were arriving or that, you know, he you were valid? He brought everyone from the parish out, like 23 of his friends to see me at a club in Fort Lauderdale. And it was, I went on the middle. The guys let me go on in the middle because we all did the same amount of time. And I really had a great set. Which club is still there? Comic Strip, Waterdale. Oh, when when they opened that one down there yeah. briefly? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. So you're performing for the Oh, yeah. The and then, then he saw me again in Atlanta uh, open for uh, Pat Paulson. And uh, my dad, he said to my mom, he goes, he's a professional comedian. Yeah. He's a pro. Yeah. So but it was, this is right before he died. Yeah. You know, so well, that's, he, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. It it all it all turned out really well. So you wait. So you go to community college, and and that's sort of like a holding zone. That's Come, no, no. That's let no. That's that's this is heaven. This is a theater. This is what I meant to do. This yeah. is you, you know the classroom, or there was a theater there. It was a theater. Yeah. Oh, it was great. It had a new theater. Yeah. It was funded by the state. Yeah. A bunch of freaks. Uh, ethnic diversity. Yeah. Gay, straight, freak. Every everyone you could think of. So you're out of the church, out of your neighborhood, out of the all yeah. Catholic, all boy yeah. Catholic white yeah. school. Yeah, and like these are my people. Yeah, just like I dance, and that's where I flourished, and I never looked back. It was like, yes, this is the way it is. Yeah, and you did plays, plays like uh, what you... Buffalo Bill and Annie Get Your Gun. Sure, I played a small part in Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, I directed uh, like small plays. I, I wrote a little bit. I build sets. I, so I was in it, man. Yeah, this is, that was Mickey Rooney. Yeah, this is it. This is show business, baby. <laughs> it is show business. It is. There, like, because I still get that. I'm sure you do too. Like, you know, I just did the, the like. You know, I don't know if people can really understand it. I, mean, I actually felt myself get choked up just a little bit. I did my first shot at panel on Letterman ever. You know, I've been on Letterman you know four times in my life. You know, I've been doing just doing stand up. Yeah, four times only. Which is, I'm happy with that. Yeah. But- All on the new show, right? Uh, right. Okay. And and I know you've done it a lot of times. 
but like spread out, you know, I did four. And in the first time you do Letterman, it's it's a tremendous honor. I mean, because I, you know, I, I'm a little younger than you, but I mean, I watched him, and that's all I wanted, you know, is to do that. And especially in that at Sullivan Theater, it's great. Yeah. And then like, to, so I just had the opportunity to panel like two, a week and a half ago, and it's the first time, and I felt confident about it. But I was really, you know, I I love that guy. But when you're backstage, the point is, is like, no matter what you're doing, not so much in a comedy club, but a little bit. But when you're about to do letterman or you're backstage and you see the set and the stage guys and the all the people that and the work band yeah and they're just, that band and it's like this is fucking show business i mean i don't think people really understand that moment when you're just backstage waiting to go on that it, it never changes it's always fucking thrilling it, it, it doesn't matter if it's your school play yeah or if you're doing a barbecue or, or a comedy right. club or but it's all aspects of show business. It's our job, too, and it's sort of like I'm about to go on. You know, yeah. I, I had no time to think. I got right off the elevator, and Biff's like, come on, dude, 20 seconds. And, and and just like I'm standing backstage. But do you the weirdest thing is when you get out there, in your mind, you're like, and when you watch it on TV, it's just a couple of guys talking. But when you're out there, it is so heightened. Yeah. It's, it's fucking mind. I can't even explain it. And then you have to uh, be calm and be yourself. Right. And, tr- and you... It, there's a little thing I say now. Going, Listen, you've been doing this for 30 years. Just trust yourself. You, right. you, you've looked at your notes. Right. You you're straight. You know. Yeah. Uh, you you know. You worked out today. You got plenty of sleep last night. So just yeah. you know, because I still get butterflies. Just just trust yourself. <laughs> yeah. If someone throws a dog on stage, you'll be able to deal with it. <laughs> you're, you know? You'll definitely be able to deal with it. You of all people could deal with a dog being thrown on stage. Yeah. But yeah. Letterman, it is heightened. And okay, it is. dude. The it's, first one I did back in '86, I was on fire. I was, I felt like I was burning. the old show. Yeah, yeah. And so you did stand up, and you always did panel, right? Now I've done for the the new one. Yeah, I did like I think ten. Yeah, um, total. Yeah, ten total, and uh, you don't do panel. Yeah, you might sit there for a second, yeah. but I always write a little stuff in case the music right. act yeah, yeah. tanks or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you want to be there, so, but 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 the first, but the the original show. Well, in '86, so he he'd been going for a while. Yeah, and that was and, a real goal, right? Even more than Carson, right? To get on Letterman because he was so cutting and great, and you know he, he was the guy. Yeah, and it's and it was in New York. It was at Thirty Rock. Yeah, I know the studio. Yeah. I did Conan there. So, like in, it did, when you first did Letterman, were you like, wow, it's not that big? It's a, it's a little studio. Well, I had worked there before for Lorne Michaels for, oh. the, for the new show in '84. We worked at 8H where they did Saturday Night Live. The new show. Yeah, it was on Friday nights at 10. It lasted about 12 weeks. I kind of remember that. Yeah. What were they trying to do with that thing? Just replicate SNL, but in an hour. Right. No skits and uh, oh, so you yes. knew the studio. When I first went there, I was like, "Oh my God, this is not, not anything like I imagined it to be." And you you go, uh, you know, use the bathroom, and there's Tom Brokaw, or you know, <laughs> yeah, someone the, there the washing their people, hands. Right? Oh, right. This is it's not just show business; it's news. It's, yeah, it's everything. everything. Yeah. I saw them walk a horse through that hallway. Yeah, I think I did. I mean, in my memory, there was a horse involved at some point for a sketch. Is that possible? Of course, it's possible. Yes, absolutely. All right. So you go from uh, you go from community college in where Florida, Florida State. And then you go to Florida State? Yeah. So that was a big time, doing the big plays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was exciting, you know? Great teachers, a great... One thing that's really I've been blessed with... Yeah. When I was in community college, college, starting stamp, I was surrounded by really good people. Yeah. And I was lucky that way. Right. You know? Well, did you do serious plays? Did you do the sort of like yelling and screaming and crying and sweating stuff? I didn't do a heavy emotional. I usually did character parts Mm -hmm. because like Buffalo Bill or played an Arab or... Kit, I, there's a play called The Time of Your Life. Yeah. In community college, I played Kit Carson. Yeah. And in uh, Florida State, I played the Arab mm-hmm. in the same play. So yeah. So those are two character parts. Right. 
Uh, I did a sh- uh, play in the Boom Boom Room. Yeah, I know. That. Well, I, I kind of remember that play. What is David that Rabe? Yeah, and David. That Rabe, was right. that was a juicy part. Yeah, and Moon Children. And he was heavy. David Rabe stuff. Was oh yeah, heavy, right. Yeah. So all right. So when 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 do you go to New York? I go home like seventy eight, fall of seventy eight. Right after you graduate college, uh, about three months. Yeah. Well, I was at Florida State. Yeah. Um, when uh, the Bundy murders happened. Oh my God! And there were a couple. There were a couple buildings over. Yeah. So. I had bought a pound of pot. And, a pound? A pound. You know, because I was just like- On the street? No, no. From a guy I yeah, knew. Yeah. And he said, here, you know what? Just buy a pound, and that way you can get high for free and just sell it to the guys at theater school. Sure. Just so be- I tried it once, and I go down the hall in my boarding room to take a, a shower to yeah. get ready because I'm working a, as a bartender at a Super Bowl party. Yeah. Sunday cold. Yeah. I look out, and there's three cops standing in front of my door. <laughs> and I go, um- you, you, they go, do you live here? I go, yeah. I, he goes, we want to see. I go, I'll be right out. Yeah. You know, I close the door. I look at the window, too small to crawl out of. Yeah. I look in the mirror and I go, Dad, yeah. I've been busted for pot. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. So I walk down there. I'm shaking, not because it's cold, but thank right. God it was. Yeah. And I go, is this about my car? No. Uh, we just want to know if you heard any noises last night. I go, no. No, I mean, you know, the windows were closed. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. freezing. Yeah. Go, okay, that's it. I go, yeah. someone get raped? They go, we don't know. And they split. And then I found out that these co-eds, like four co-eds, five, were murdered right down there. They came back and questioned me three more times because I fit the profile perfectly. Uh, I'd already graduated. I was just, a, uh, I needed money, Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was a bartender, yeah. white. You so know. you were actually, you thought you were a suspect? I was on probably a list. But they were all murdered. Like, what was the span that they were all murdered in? I mean, so he was- One night, they were murdered. He murdered four people in one night? Oh, yeah. I didn't know oh, that. Yeah, holy fuck. Yeah, like like I think it might have been five because he went down and murdered someone else. Were they he together was, or one? Yeah, they the were other? in the the sorority room together. Oh, I think, I kind of remember. He snuck that. in with a club, you know, did some brutal stuff. Holy shit! Yeah, he was a sick guy. All right, so, so that that was that was uh, another the end brush the, with fame. Yeah, the you know, JFK, yeah, Ted yeah, Bundy. Yeah, you it's know. going good. Yeah, so so I go to Florida. I yeah. go to New York. Yeah, I get a one way train ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friends threw me a little surprise going away party, and people couldn't believe I was going. There was a number of people. It's that, scary for people. You're you're out of your mind. Yeah, what are you doing? You I got no f- plan. You have no plan. Yeah, I'm going to New York. Yeah, I'm gonna. Well, people, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna get an apartment. Yeah, then I'm gonna find a job. Yeah, then I'm gonna audition, or I'll figure it out. But you were going for the acting thing. Yeah, comedy had not Broadway. Hit you yet. Broadway. Right. That's that was my goal. Yeah, that was that that general. I'm gonna yeah. be on. In, I'm gonna do theater. That's yeah. what I'm trained to do. No comedy in your mind. Well, I had always been funny. Yeah, but and I had a teacher at college. Said, "Did you ever think of being a comedian?" Yeah. So in high school, right, they would tell me, uh, "You can't be a comedian all your life." <laughs> then when I get uh, when I'm graduating <laughs> yeah, theater, yeah, yeah, yeah. they say, "You ever think of doing stand up?" I go, eh, "I don't know." It's, it always intimidated me. I, you, I was always a wise ass in school, yeah. but were you a fan though? Oh yeah. Oh, huge fan. Yeah. Alan King. Oh, yeah, I love comedy. Yeah. I looked in Hell's Gate. I would walk by the improv, you know, and not even look in. You know, right. like Liberace walking by a gay bar or something. Right. I, I, I couldn't, you know, and I knew I belonged in there. You felt it. Yeah. On 44th Street. Yeah. And I, I attended bar on 43rd Street. I lived on 47th Street. Between 8th and 9th? Or 9th uh, on and 9th, 9th Avenue. Yeah. And there was the improv right there right in the there. corner. Right so, there. And this was what, 70, 79, 80, 81? So it was still in pretty good shape, kind of. I mean, oh, Bud yeah. was gone, but Silver was... Silver kinda, was there. I, yeah. I, I, that was the best yes 
I've ever heard. Yeah. When Silver said, welcome to the club. We want you to be part of our family. Uh, little did I know she wasn't exaggerating. Yeah. Because comedy is a family. Yeah, it is. So when did that happen, though? What made you decide to cross the threshold? Were you auditioning? Did you figure out a way in to acting? Well, in college, I got a partner. And we did, like, an act there. Yeah. Which was fun. And then we would go to comedy clubs, like B, C level In Florida. No, in uh, New York, because he came up. Oh, he did? So we did that. What were you doing? What was that? Team thing? Yeah, team thing. We'd write skits. We'd have to rehearse and stuff like that. Was there a setup guy and a straight guy? I mean, was it goofy? No, we just, we did skits. Oh, skits. Yeah, yeah. uh, We had different personalities, different different looks and everything, but- I got tired working with him. Yeah, because I, I just want to do it on my own. Who was that guy? Did he go on to do uh, show business he, for a little bit, and then he got out? And now he's kind of trying to get back in. Yeah, you know. Have has he called you? No. Well, well no, we got together. together about three years ago, a uh, mutual friend, and we had a nice lunch. And he he got married, kids, you know, divorced. No, no, he's still. I think he was no. Yes, he he had an early marriage, got divorced, and no uh-huh. kids, and then. But now he wants to get back and show. Isn't that amazing? That like you what, never get it out of your blood. It, it's it's baffling to me. Why is it? Why? Well, because like it, it's just there's something really bittersweet and sort of sad about you know people that didn't have the wherewithal or the stupidity to pursue it for a life, and and they 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 decide at some point like, well, I'm going to go make a life. And then they go make a life, and then they're still itchy, and they want to do this thing. And it's very hard for them. to. How are you going to come back? How are you going to get back in? You never get it out of your blood. You have to accept that. Listen, I I do a seminar for college. Do you really? Yeah. And I tell them. It's called Curtain Up, and it's about uh, getting into this business. And what I do is, uh, over the past five, six years, I ask professionals, when you get out of college, what are the two things that helped you, and what are the two things that worked against you? So I've collected all this information, and I go to colleges. I've been to like four or five now, and it's a new thing. Yeah, it's it's something I wanted to do like for a while, but you know. So they book you as a speaker. Yeah, I go in and do a stand up, and then I do the seminar day the after day, the next day, and I only do it for college students because they're already working at it. Uh-huh. I don't do it for civilians. It's not you can be a star. It's not a class. No, it's just right. it, here's great advice. Mm-hmm. This is what has helped me and other people. What is some of that advice? Um, like the answer to that question, what, what were those things? For, uh, you're not outside looking in. Yeah. If you've acted in anything, directed anything, you're a director, you're an actor, don't feel, you know, now you're just trying to get paid for it. Right. Uh, establish, get an apartment, don't couch surf. Right. Uh, you're also a business person, <laughs> you know. I could have used that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is all advice I could have used <laughs> yeah. w- w- when I was coming up. Yeah, no and, and just a bunch of other stuff and stories, not just me, but... And I've gotten some advice from famous people. I don't drop names. Yeah. I just let them know that uh, what you're, and by the way, congratulations. Yeah. You're here, you're working at it. Yeah. This is valid. Yeah. You may not think it is, it is. It's yeah. very valid. A lot of people I know are, are working. Well, that's a good differentiation between like, like, because I think a lot of people who are who are doing creative things and, and want to pursue that stuff, they think that they're not doing anything until they get into show business. Yeah. Like there's some secret door. There is no door. You have to <laughs> climb no wall. All you have to do is get a job, you know, <laughs> right. and, and and ship away and say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone asks you to crew on a Sunday, you don't go. Yeah, do it. Someone has tickets to an opera. You don't like opera? Go. Yeah. You know, you're there not only uh, to pursue your career, but to also be a witness to life, be around life. So if you're in New York or Chicago or L.A., go look around. Yeah. See don't you. just limit yourself to. Well, I want to. I'm a performer, so. Yeah, well, if you get a chance to produce something with somebody, do it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, try things. Absolutely. Overcome those fears. 
Yeah, that's why I listen. My my goal was to be an actor and get on Broadway. Yeah, Broadway is the only thing I haven't done. It well, is, I've done everything else. Yeah, and you and, and I have still have that goal. Well, what, what now? What, let's like okay. So you're doing this team thing in comedy clubs, doing sketches. And you're, are you? Did you figure out a way to start auditioning for Broadway when you moved up there, or were you disappointed? No, I, did you hit the wall? I I auditioned for. Didn't even get near Broadway. Yeah. Audition. I walked in this producer's office one time. Yeah. And he said, "Are you here for the script?" I said, "Yes, I am." <laughs> and they handed me the script. I go, "Thank you." And I took it home and I prepared the part. Came back and they took it from me. He goes, uh, "We appreciate your moxie, but you know, sorry." I appreciate your moxie. Yeah. That's condescending. Is no, no, but some- but here's the thing: when I was a a bartender, I got fired from that. I was a waiter, I got fired from that. I couldn't hold a job. Why? Because after a while, I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no. You no know, way. at first it was great, and so after a while, I'm tired of this. Yeah, this show's over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll get away with it as long as I can, <laughs> yeah. just sliding through, just like I did in school. Right. But then Silver, God bless her, Silver said, Friedman? Yes, offered me a job at the Improv did a couple you, days you, a week but, answering phones. Oh, okay. So you went in there and asked for a job. You didn't audition. No, yet. I auditioned and passed, and but I was still tr- waiting to get on. It was tough to get well, on. How back was that? Then. What was your first act? I mean, what did that feel like? I mean, how did you put that act together? Stand up. Yeah, I sat at home and I wrote it. I called my sisters and I go, when I made everyone laugh, what was I talking about? Oh, right, school. Did you really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, I, I asked my dad, what was that thing I said? It was funny, or, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, no, I I just kind of wrote it out. And, yeah. Uh, and did it, but so anyway, I passed at the improv. I I, I humped and humped for. Who was like there that night? Do you remember the night? Were you uh, nervous? John or? Mendoza was the MC. Hilarious. I was nervous as hell. Mendoza was the MC. That's a good MC because he's yeah. low energy and you know. Yeah, he was relaxed. And, yeah, and uh, he was empathetic. To yeah, a, yeah. to a point. You yeah, know, he was a good guy. Do you remember anyone else, or were you too blind? No, yeah, no, yeah. I yeah. was just on fire. It and was it was audition night, so it was just a bunch of new. Was it like eighty? 80, August to eighty one, and I passed. Okay, had a good set. I passed. Yeah. So then my money situation, I was still had to work yeah. as a bartender. Right. She goes, why don't you answer the phone a couple days a week? Yeah. Great. So I so did that. Now you're in. And uh, I'm answering. And then, I, you know, because I'm there, I'm getting a few more spots a week. Yeah. But then a guy would, a guy called one day. He goes, hey, I had a comedian drop out. Uh, you got anybody? Westchester. Yeah. You, do you have anybody? I said, hang on. And I went, I go, uh, there's this new guy, Alan Havey. Yeah. He didn't know who I was. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's new here, but he's really good. Yeah. I need a killer. No, he'll he'll be fine. It was a hundred bucks. Yeah. I was that was my job. Yeah. So a couple times I booked myself for for what feature spots or headlining spots? No, just like private parties or like yeah feature spots or I got a club. But you never got into a situation where you had to do an hour and you were like you know you had twenty and no, but yeah. I had twenty and they needed a half hour out of me. Yeah. And it was a mob club. Oh, that was the call. Yeah, that was a call. Okay, and uh, it was it was amazing because it, the first guy did okay, but half the room was mob and yeah. half the room was civilians. You just felt that the mob energy. I, I knew it, but mm. the guy next to me goes, "Why don't those guys shut up?" Yeah. And I go, "Why don't you you know, why don't you go over there and tell me?" Because you scared? I go, "Yeah, I am scared." <laughs> don't you watch movies? You know. And so the first guy goes on, does okay. Then second guy who wanted a headline, but he goes, no, nah, I'll go on second. I bet you will. Yeah. He goes on bombs. Mob guy gets up, off. Comedian, off, you know. <laughs> then he look at me, you get on. <laughs> so I get on and give myself a Madison Square Garden intro, you yeah, know, that corny yeah, thing. Yeah. Here he is, Alan Havier. He looks around and it was me, ha ha. Yeah. And I started doing my best stuff and I get him going, get him going. Then I'm, you know, I decide to work with a crowd. Yeah. You know, and I had the mobsters. Because you needed more time. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was doing impressions of teachers in high school. Yeah. You know, and they're banging the tables yeah. and wiping their eyes with yeah. mobsters. And there's this lady up front. 
yeah. on the civilian yeah. side because I'm smart. Yeah. And I said, oh, what's a corsage for, sweetheart? Yeah, yeah. At the far corner of my eye, I yeah. see this fucking gorilla, yeah. this man. Look at me. And his head tilts. Yeah. And my brain goes, get out, out. And she goes, today's my birthday. Yeah. My, what's your name, Marie? Everybody, I pick up my go, how about a nice hand for Marie, a drink to Marie on her birthday? You remind me of the fine women of my parish, my my Catholic school stuff. I get off. Yeah. I get off. I'm walking out. The guy grabs me. You made my mother's night. He's like grabbing my cheek. You made, Tony, what did I tell you I was going to do to this guy? He said one word bad. You said you were going to put him in a fucking oil drum. I was going to put you in a fucking oil. You said one word bad to my mother. His, his mom comes over and I kiss her on the cheek. He said, yeah. who said you could kiss my mother? Everybody free. And then he goes, ah, I'm just busting your balls. He pulls out. Yeah. Peels off $500. Yeah. 500, puts it in my pocket. He goes, you thank me, I'll fucking kill you. Yeah. And I went out to the car. Yeah. Because the guys were waiting in the car. They go, yeah. how was it? I go, toughest set I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got home, it was like, holy shit, I killed. I got 500 bucks, which was to me all the money in the world. Yeah. I'm a I'm a I'm a professional. Was I'm there, a comedian. Yeah, that's was there ever was there that moment though? Don't you? I mean, we didn't have to deal with this because it wasn't our generation. But there's a moment where you're like, do I gotta be friends with the mob guys? Now? No, no, yeah. no. You never be friends with it's those scary, guys. It's scary, man. Yeah, because they're around and you can only see it. Like, there's only a few cities you re- really see it in. And I think as it got you know by the '80s, it wasn't. There weren't really. You didn't get the sense of mob-owned clubs necessarily, oh, but they were they around. Were, oh, they, yeah. No, they were around. Mm-hmm. I think Catch started on mob money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The mob guys were around, yeah. and you didn't. I remember one time at Caroline's. I'm this is well into my career. I'm yeah. on a roll. Yeah. I'm riffing. I'm yeah. working the crowd. I got the crowd. There's a guy sitting up front. I, I kind of knew he's a mob guy. I go, hey, what's your name? Tony. Yeah. Tony, what do you do for a living? Tony in business. And that's all he said. I go, <laughs> that's all. And, that, and I go, hey, don't talk to Tony. Boom, boom. <laughs> and that was it. I was, you know, you couldn't even look at him for the rest of the set. No, right? <laughs> I looked over him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did a lot of them out Staten Island. Because when you first see your first guy, were you like, that guy's killed somebody? Where you look into their eyes and oh, you yeah. know that there's just a wall there and you're like, all right, I, I was as long as I could hold that gaze. I'm in Staten Island. There's yeah. a guy down front with a checkered yeah. jacket. I go, hey, I like that jacket. And a guy opens it up. There's a gun. Yeah. And there he goes, yeah, keep talking to me. <laughs> I look up, smile, and go through my whole set with a smile. I walk off. And as I, I I brought up Dennis Volper, yeah. who was going to show, I go, I go, don't talk to the guy in the jacket. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. And he came up and goes, what were you smiling for? They were tough. I go, I had a gun. I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm smiling until I get home. <laughs> all right. So now you're working. It's 81, 82. Yeah. I started uh, pro- 82, October of 82. That's when I was making it. I think money. I told you this before when we did the live one, but you were one, like when I was in Albuquerque, you know, because if you started in 81, I don't know what the hell I was doing there because it must have, I don't know when they shot that thing. But I saw you on television. I had no idea who the fuck you were, and I was, you know, I watched a lot of comedy. Right. But you, it was must have been very early because there was some like a, a show that they profiled you running around doing sets. Do you remember that? Yeah, I didn't know. I I knew it was on. It was in Interview Magazine. Okay. And but there, there was a show that, uh, but I never there saw were, the show. But what year was that? I'm 84, 85. Right. So I, it was before I, you know, I was still in college then. And I was like, who's that guy? That looks great. You know, like they're, they're running around. He's doing comedy everywhere. And and, and that, that was the first time I saw you. And it was one of those things where it's like, that's how it works in my head. Well, that's how it worked in New York. Yeah, I know. You know? I mean, I learned that when I got there. But like, I was like, holy shit, this is not, you don't just step out. You, you don't automatically become, you know, Jay Leno or whoever the hell I saw, Merv oh. Griffin or whatever, but it was you just like hammering away. I didn't know who you were and you're just doing the job and they were following you around. 
It was they, fun. Other people went on to write that article probably 50 times, you know, like over the course of like any right. New York comic. Night in the Life of a Comedian. Yeah, yeah in New York. Right, right. I did seven spots. What was the most you ever did? Eight. Yeah, right? Yeah. So that was probably two at three clubs. Yeah, going back. And, right, right. Uh, open at the bottom line for someone to get over to Green Street. Right. To the cellar improv, back over to- uh, Comic strip. A bottom line for the second show. Then, right. Uh, I didn't do the strip. It wasn't a club on my catch maybe, but- I remember one, I did eight downtown. Yeah. It was at the Cellar, Folk City, Bottom Line, and Green Street. I didn't have to go above, you know, It was Fifth crazy, Street. man. It was when great. you had to go, when you had to go from like the Cellar to Catch or the Cellar to anywhere up to the Strip, I mean, that was nuts to get that cab. Or stand up in New York. Yeah. The Cellar was great because you could grab the subway from Improv, zip down to the Cellar, do a spot, come back. Yeah, so she didn't let me in until long after I was, you know, I mean, she didn't let me in that club till uh, she saw my HBO special. I mean, I was like fucking. But you got in. Yeah, no, I do. I, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, I got in when they started the club. So you're lucky. Yeah, you were, you know, I grandfathered had... in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but I've always done well with that room. Yeah, I never well, you were you, you were like the king of that room. And I think you had a lot of influence on a lot of comics that came out of there. I mean, the when I used to do. You used to do very aggressive crowd work, I think, with a flashlight. Is that, am I recalling that correctly? Yeah, yeah. That you would, you know, like, no one was safe. You you went up there. Didn't you have a flashlight? Yeah, I would do that. I had props. I wore soap and a rope around my neck. Well, in the, in and, the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. And then I got rid of that and just pulled out the flashlight. Then I got rid of the flashlight. Yeah. But I say, hey, you people up front, don't worry. I don't pick on people. I go, people in the back think you're safe, and boom, I hit them with the flashlight. Right, And right. then the crowd would explode. Yeah. I, it's not an easy room, I don't think, the cellar. No, it's you got to work hard. Yeah, you can't fuck off. No, you can't go up there and dick around. No, it's it's like that's where you really learn how to like. It's like a gym. I learned more and I grew more in that room. Yeah, than any room. So when you started doing when you started working, so catch was still pretty hot, right? Yeah, the, the original catch was catch. still in place. Oh yeah, comic strip stand up New York started like maybe eighty five. Right. But, like, that was still, 86. like, you're the generation in between me and, like, Seinfeld's generation. Yeah, Seinfeld was already established right. when I got in. And Riser and all those guys. Riser, Schiff, uh, um, Rich Scheidner. Yep, yep. Uh, Carol Weaver. They were they all were catch all people. in place. Yeah. Catch, improv, and strip. I think, yeah. I think uh, Jerry was more a strip guy. Yeah, and did you see Larry David and all those guys, too? Yeah. In fact, when I started, yeah. the, my two favorite comedians were Seinfeld and Larry David. Yeah. And the fact that they, you know, got together and made this great show to me is like, oh, I love show business because it does work. Yeah. I saw Stephen Wright. Yeah. In uh, New York. And, and this is like a couple months before he went on The Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. I go, this guy can't get on television. This is a bullshit business. He was on. Good. That's all I need to hear. <laughs> I see great work rewarded. Yeah. That's all. You know, I saw Kennison and at the comic strip in front of 40 people. And killed, killed me. He was fucking great. I go, this guy doesn't make it. Boom. Like over the next two years, he made it. You know? It was crazy to see him then, wasn't it? Oh, it was great. It was just, it was jaw dropping. He was great. And I, and I realized, well, I'm not going to be the best comedian of my generation. Right. You know, after I saw him and Hicks, I go, right. well, I'm, I don't have to worry about being the best because I'm not going to be the best. Right. You know, so I'm just going to be a good comedian. Well, I just, I actually just sent my brother, uh, Kennison's first record. He asked me for it. You can't get it on CD. And, you know, my experience with that, beyond just a comic, like in, in our generation, in my generation as well, there's very few people that literally like, you know, change. There's a menace to it. There's like, a you know, an electricity to it. 
that that doesn't come from them being a star or anything else. You just like that guy took the stage and you're like, what the fuck is happening? No, it, it was great. And when I first saw him, women were pulling their husbands out. Oh yeah, like, yeah. like they were pulling they, children out of a candy right, store. Right, you can't listen. The to husband, that. no, yeah. the, no. This is, you know, this guy <laughs> has truth and power. You know, he's and he's talking to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the guy at the, you know, with the carriage yeah, at the yeah, mall pushing yeah, the baby. Yeah, yeah. Somebody shoot me! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, can't yeah. even replicate his, sure. his his vocal thing. It's weird. Like, do you remember you know moments where you're watching other dudes where you're like, holy fuck. You know, what is that? Yeah, you know, Stephen Wright. Oh, yeah. Like, just what, like his, you know, very the, simple. Before he got bigger. Yeah, no, this is before he was on The Tonight when Show. When he was just sort of pacing and couldn't look at the audience. And... Yeah, I saw him at the improv. He right. Was, he was great. And yeah. we all knew it. Yeah. It's weird when that happens. It's, it's I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, see, yeah. It's it, great. It, here's a th- great thing. You know what? I, I, I see guys now who no longer do stand-up. Yeah. And, uh, you know. I, They're still in show business? or Some it? are, some yeah. aren't. And they, uh, you know, oh, you still work the cellar, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I didn't quit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they go, well, they weren't, uh, they weren't as good as we were. I go, no, they're better. Uh huh. You know, because the quality of comedy now, I laughs per pound or material, any way you want to break it down. Not everybody, but nowadays, I work at Hermosa, I work at the Improv, I work at the Cellar. Yeah, I think comedians are a lot better. This is a great time for it's comics. good time for comics any generation and i know they're coming in and out of the woodwork there's a lot of comics out there but there's some really good comedians there's always there. really good guys yeah you know i but I, I mean i think like you go at a friday night saturday night guys would do okay and then one guy would kill and you know back in the day now everybody nails it if you go see a show at the comedy cellar especially in the weekend everybody's good and unique yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm. Uh, there's no. I'm reason just talking to about the crowd. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm not. I'm. There's no reason to argue it. But like, the more I, the, the older I get, and the more I read, you know, even about the '50s, you know, the '60s, the '70s, there, there was always a thousand comics. A thousand, yeah. really? Oh yeah, there was always like, well, maybe not a thousand, but there were a lot of B rooms. The, the, there's a whole world of comedy that you know I didn't even know existed. Like you know, my buddy Cliff Nesteroff, he writes a lot about this this era. You the know, last laugh. Yeah, the last laugh too. Bill Burger, the Burgers yeah. book, where you like you know get that post-war boom, and there was just a, um, it was like hundreds of B rooms with guys that had you know a half-hour shtick, and they never surfaced at all. Right, but they you, were out there working for a living. You never saw them on television. Never, never. Uh, they've always been well, like that. Broadway, Danny Rose. Remember, they're talking about sure. you could uh, you could work uh, all these nightclubs in New York and right. not, not have to leave the town. So, and I don't think people really realize that. I, I, and it, there was always a lot of them, and there's a lot of that no one ever heard of. Right. And you know, today I think it's a good time for comedy because people are able to find their audience without having to uh, to appeal to everybody. Right. You, you know, there was a time where, you know, there was three channels. You got to get on one of the three channels and everyone knows who you are and then you work. Or in one of the three or four clubs. Right. Yeah. And and it's just different. But there are a lot of great guys. But I'll tell you, man, when I see a guy that's really got like a character and a point of view, like I don't, like a lot of times you can sit in the back of a club, you know, out here, especially and close your eyes and you can't tell the difference, you know, it's a minor tonal difference in right. the point of view. But when one that dude has a full sh- a full thing going, it's great to see. I yeah. love to laugh. Yeah. It is. So when you okay, so you're in New York, you're pounding it out, and you you know you built a you know you did your show uh, night after night because I mean right. I went I was at HBO downtown uh, you know I I was the last host to Short Attention Span Theater and that was ninety three, so you know you were long gone but there was not long know, gone I our show ended at the end of ninety two really yeah 
December 30th, 92. That was my last and show. And you did three years? Three years. Just over three years. And when you went in, it wasn't, was it Comedy Central? Was it Ha? Was it the Comedy it, Network? It was, it was called the Comedy Channel. The Comedy Channel, And they right. merged with Ha, and then the last year was Comedy Central. And who was around, like, because I know HBO Downtown had that, uh, you know, the affiliation, you know, they were, they they produced a lot of the shows. They right. did Inside the Comic Mind. They did uh, the Higgins Boys and Gruber show. They did uh, Short Attention Span Theater. They did Politically Incorrect. They did your show. Politically Incorrect came after me. Yeah. After I left. Oh, really? Yeah. So he, they, he, oh, that's right. He was still doing it, but it wasn't shot in that studio down there. Because I think I shot in the same place you did. Did you shoot right, in the right. building on yeah. 23rd? Uh-huh. Like in that little room that wasn't even well, a studio? Well, it was a studio, but it had open doors. And, right, right. And, you right. Know, yeah, yeah. But still, it was fun. It was it was so much fun doing that show. What was, how was the pitch? How'd that happen for you? I didn't give a damn. I went in for the audition. They, they oh, it was an audition. Somebody, okay. Every comedian. And so I didn't give a crap. Mm-hmm. So I went in and I smoked. I called. I said, uh, I'm cheating on my girlfriend. I called this girl on the phone. Yeah. And apparently Michael Fuchs, the head of HBO, goes, yeah. that's the late night guy. Yeah. Done. Yeah. That was it. He was the, the big, he was the the champion of comedy in the early HBO. Yeah. Michael Fuchs. Yeah. He was great. He was- uh, he, And Nancy Geller was his uh, his person. Yeah. Then she came up yeah. and uh, she was a you know big fan of comedy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> a real big fan of comedy, uh, and they gave us really uh, total creative control. They didn't mess with us. It was great. And who uh, who else? Who was the producer? Who was like uh, Scott Carter? Scott Carter was like one of my best friends. I've had him on the show. He yeah. does. He does Bill's show. Yeah, he was a guy that was a was a stand up, but he was a little. He wasn't cut out for it. And then he went more on to, performance, right? Art. And then he did the one man show thing, the yeah. the asthma camp thing, and now he's sort of like a, he's evolved into the very intellectual person, Scott. Yeah, well, he was that yeah. way yeah. then, you know. Yeah. And, and I really, we were very close. And I said, I wanted someone to come in who knew me, yeah, and who you know could handle the suits and stuff like right. that. So that relationship worked out. So and he then, cut his teeth with you, yeah. Isn't that interesting how that works? Because when I did Short Attention Spent Theater, I gave John Groff his first writing job, and he went on to be the head writer of Conan. And, and it's weird, these guys, don't you, do you ever have that moment where you envy at all the dudes that had the wherewithal to realize that stand-up comedy on some level was a crapshoot, but they knew they were funny, and they managed that talent, and they're like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this other thing. It's great. I, it, I, I, never, I, I, it never occurred to me. I, no, because I was a performer. You too. Yeah, well, we're 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 show folk. You know what I mean. We got to be out there. Yeah, you know, yeah. we're not. I don't want to sit down at a table with a bunch of fat guys and think of a line and you know play politics and eat donuts. Yeah. I, I just you know that's not me. Yeah, I couldn't even think about how you would do that. I well, I had to do that eventually. Scott and I had a falling out with yeah. tension, and I felt I wasn't protected, and mm-hmm. so I I really had uh, some anger there and it just recently you know, the last few years we've contacted each other oh really yeah he's got a 20 year beef or more yeah he, he came out to see uh my one-man show and, and was very nice and gracious about that he extended an olive branch and you know and i've been in touch with him and it's been nice you hold a grudge uh yeah yeah <laughs> are we okay with the, the no cr- we're fine i never I, had a problem with you except for time i'm sorry i'm it. sorry i went long i just want to i want to make it official i apologize accepted. for going long accepted all right it's 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 water under the bridge yeah, okay dude. all right man but i don't hold a grudge i mean this will this will really hurt me i, I took it personally uh-huh. maybe i shouldn't have uh-huh but we had a communication problems and i felt i was thrown under the bus uh, oh okay you know and, and that was at the towards the end of the show or yeah like maybe the last year uh-huh and but that show got a very interesting cult following you did the audience of one Absolutely. which i think was cutting edge still in touch with some of those those dudes really facebook yeah you know who i gave a break to who mike judge 
Really? Yeah, we got a, I got, had a stack of VHS tapes one night. I'm walking yeah. through them late at night, and then his cartoon comes on Milton. Yeah. I did a couple. Yeah. I go, grab this guy. Yeah. And I went to the heads, and I said, you should make a production deal with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, yeah. just, I'm, not, I'm not that guy, but yeah. this is a guy who, he's talented, he's young, yeah. these are funny. This yeah. is what you do. Right. You know, you grab young talent. It just came to you unsolicited through the show. Unsolicited, just sent it in because you wanted to put it, you wanted to put it on the show. Yeah, and we put it on the show. We flew him up. Uh, I introduced him to the Monty Python director, the Terry Gilliam. Yeah, uh, who happened to be a guest, and um, and then he, you know, a couple years later, Beavis and Butthead. I've run into him a few times, and you know, he always gave me credit. Oh, really? So. Uh, yeah, I had Tupac Shakur on yeah. at like 10.30 in the morning. He was great. He was a gentleman. And people say, where's that interview? I don't know. It's on a VHS tape. Right, yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, we, you were doing it nightly. How but, long was the but, show? Uh, the show was an hour. It first started three hours with clips, and then they pared that down. Oh, so then, you were actually like the evening's programming. Yeah. Right. And then we got it down to a one-hour show. But you'd, you'd strip it. So you tape two days, three days a week and knock them out or what? No, I, we got down to it. We tape every day, Monday through Friday, right. 10.30 in the morning. Right. And it would air that night. Right. So were you like, like you were one of those guys for a while where I was like, you know, what the hell does he do? Well, you know, after you after that show and you're just doing stand-up. Stand-up. Like, it was all stand-up. Every weekend after that show I did... Uh, I never missed a, n- a night of stand-up because I knew it wasn't going to But you're last. a financially responsible guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, pretty much. Right. I, I, I'm not broke. I, I put my money away, but I still got to work. Right, right, know? right, right, right. Uh, but I don't have kids. Yeah. You know, I, I just got married like five years ago to my longtime girlfriend. Really? Had, yeah. Are you going to have a kid? No. <laughs> no, I don't want to. Dude, no. that, that ship has sailed. No, that, it's, it's gone. <laughs> The boats left the harbor. It sailed <laughs> over the horizon. And then I remember growing up, I was talking to my cousin Jerry, yeah, yeah. who we recently saw. We were kids. He goes, yeah. I don't want to get married. Yeah. And he said, Who's going to do your dishes? Yeah. Who's going to do your laundry? <laughs> I mean, this this is the 60s. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I said, I'm only going to have one dish. <laughs> I'm only going to have uh, what, two pairs of pants. Yeah, a couple of clothes. <laughs> and he looked at me like, well, Yeah. I said, And I kept that. Yeah. Because growing up, Raising kids didn't look like a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, some guys grow up and their primary they thing do. is, yeah. I want a family first, I then know. a career. I never thought of that. No, me neither. I didn't think of either. I was just like, I want to be a comedian yeah. or an artist of some kind. Exactly. I want to be a performer. Yeah. I want to be an actor. Okay, comedian, great. Mm-hmm. And through the 80s, like, get married. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. And my girlfriend didn't want to get married. Yeah. So it was great. Great. So you've been with her a long time, though. Yeah. Known her a long time. That's and great. It's fantastic. But now the w- interesting thing about you is that, like, you know, you show up on, on TV, you show up in movies here and there, and, like, now, because it sounds like to me that during the acting thing, or during the stand-up thing, you were, you were, you were like, you know, a, a warrior. You were a stand-up guy. Yeah. But you always had this thing in your heart to be an actor, and then, like, I start seeing it now. I see on Louie, I see on Mad Men, I see it in movies occasionally, and it's like- uh, I did a couple episodes of The Office this year, which I really oh, yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. to do, you know, because it was the last season. But this is like, it's uh, now it's happening. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you why. Uh, a couple You just of came from an audition today. You weren't a tie. Right, right. Uh, I've been meditating the last couple of years. Uh-huh. These last two years are the busiest acting I've ever had in my career. Okay. I started that seminar. Right. And I started to research. Yeah. And I started to watch motivational speakers. I, I absorbed everything. For your own, to, to build your own. As right. To, to Presentation. Yes, yeah. exactly. And I started kind of re-energizing 
that hunger mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really helped me in auditions. And, and you know, actors, oh, I feel like a pro- professional auditioner. Yeah, that's what you are. <laughs> that's exactly what you are. <laughs> Every part of your job is part of your profession. Mm-hmm. There's not oh, auditions, eh, but when you get a job, no, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so I th- feel, and my, my wife who helps me prepare yeah. when she can. Right. She has a really good ear. Yeah. She goes, yeah, well, you might want to do it that way a little bit. Yeah, that sounds better. That, right. You know. You got to play it out. Yeah, and one time she Make goes, choices. You know, you're going to get this part. Yeah. And I said, yeah, and I and I got it. It was like for Good Luck Charlie, a Disney show. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and I got the part. She she really has a good ear, so that helps me. And also, it seems that like, um, like well, certainly Louie, you know, you know Louie for years, and yeah, that was the part of the, the husband. You right, know, but said, he wrote that part for somebody else who couldn't do it. Oh, really? Yeah. I won't huh. mention the comedian, but he yeah. couldn't do it. And Louis, God bless him, said, I'm just, you know, uh, I'm just going to let you know I, d- I wrote this for somebody else. Yeah. That person can't do it, but I think you could do it great. I said, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was huge because the industry watches that show. Yeah. And they see me do stand-up and act. Oh, this guy. Oh, okay. Let's have him in. Right. Helps. So it, it opens doors. And is it, um, what are your hopes for it? Uh, like, in, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm acting, I'm auditioning, I'm doing stand-up. And the Mad Men part, it's great because you, oh. you, you kind of, you're able to sort of score and you're doing you in a way, you know, a little, you know, that's cranky what, and, you know. That's what the job is. It's yeah. You are that person. Uh-huh. You know, bring yourself to that part. You're yeah. Not, you're not, oh, I'm going to learn a walk and a voice. No. Yeah. It's you. Yeah. And I... Mad Men's my favorite show. Yeah. By far. Uh-huh. And I love The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, and but I just love Mad Men because yeah. of that time. Yeah. It's a yeah. romantic well, period, you, even with all the, the bullshit. Your childhood. Yes. Because you're like 10 years older than me, so you actually have memories of the 60s, like, you know, meeting oh. Kennedy and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. Watching was, Lyndon Baines Johnson, seeing the Chicago riots. I was there. Yeah. I mean, because it was on television. Right. Not in Miami. Right. Uh, but you might as well have told me at six years old I was going to be on the Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. That's how excited I was to get on Mad Men. And I like the fact that I can still get excited, that I'm not jaded, that I'm not bitter. Because around 15 years ago, I went through a period ago, that's it. It's over. I mean, I'll, I'll do stand-up, but it, my career's over. Was it, were you bitter? I was sad more than bitter. I think because that must be when I met you, right? No, no the... it was 98. We met oh, yeah. before oh, that. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, <laughs> no, don't try to get out of this now. <laughs> you went long. <laughs> it was just about time. No, but I said, this is it. And then about three months later, I said, no, no, it's not it. You just keep going. Just keep exactly. going. Exactly. What are you going to do? You're not prepared to do anything else. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's if a I, powerful moment. If I had gone on the road and there was a lady who was a widower or, you know, yeah. a, a divorcee, yeah. he said, you know what? Maybe I can. Come come with me. I'll yeah. take care of you. Yeah, yeah. Just, I probably would have done it. Yeah. At, at that period. Sure. You, know, sure. I was at, you mean, yeah, you can teach theater or something. Yeah, Just, yeah, I have plenty yeah. of money. I got a big oh, house. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll, 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 <laughs> it's like that, that Randy Newman song. Come on in for a couple of years. I'll take care of you. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Right. But isn't that funny that that's like that's the plan B when you do what we do and you're 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 for, in your forties like what am I going to do? Maybe I can you know meet a woman that's got a lot of money and yeah no, and no hope right <laughs> or no she's got a lot of mo- money she loves me yeah yeah you know she's seen me on television yeah, and stuff right. and like I want him in yeah, for me yeah, I want you yeah. where's that can I put out on yeah. Craigslist is there a way I can apply for that job I get, I, I don't know I guess there is <laughs> but I was forty four at the time ago and I just gotten out of. Uh, I was living with my girlfriend. We weren't getting along. Mm-hmm. I was. I had a toxic affair, mm. which was exciting. Mm-hmm. Toxic affairs are so exciting. Oh, it's the best kind of affair. And I and I got out of that, and you know, uh, rekindled things 
Oh yeah, life. how long did that take? About a year, mm. you know. And uh, yeah, since then, it's been really good. I mean, so you felt the time. heartbreak and the sadness and the the defeat, and that's when you started yeah. meditating. No, oh. I just said, I just stopped myself and said, no, it's not over. Mm-hmm. You just go out there and instead of meditating a couple of years ago, because three friends mentioned it, mm-hmm. Brian Koppelman, mm-hmm. David Levine. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're meditating my buddy Jack Perez, a film Wait, director. Wait, TM? Transcendental meditation? No, or just, just put general. on a tape and meditate, concentrate on your breathing. And the I gotta ac- fucking start doing that. The accumulative effect has been great. And you can't do it wrong. It's yeah. not like, oh, I'm meditating, wow, what happened? You know, it just takes time and you just keep it in your day. It's like brushing your teeth or working out or, you know, not smoking or watching your diet. After yeah. a while, you 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 know feel okay i kind of clicked into something here really just keep this going yeah it's not like the you know you don't hear music right but i'm a lot calmer i'm a lot more accepting daily you do it daily thing. yeah how long 20 minutes in the morning sometimes in the afternoon but usually in the morning like 20 minutes you just sit out somewhere or you go in the room i or... put on my ipod or i put on the little disc or when i don't have it i just breathe yeah on the balcony in my room yeah you know we don't have kids yeah so that's huge, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Not having children. Gives you a little space. A lot of space, a lot of time. Now, before we started, we were talking about the idea of, of careers. And, and I guess, you know, you were going to make a point about it, but I think the point is made is that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. You stay with it. You stay with it. The only way you can get out of this business is quit. No one's going to fire you. But what happens then? What I do mean, you mean? Like I mean, like, I don't even know how to quit. Like you just exactly, <laughs> I, I, you know why? That's why we're not producers. That's why we didn't go and say, you know what? I'm going to get a writing gig on a sitcom and make that work. When for I me. wanted to quit, I didn't even know what that looked like. All I could think was like, I die? Do I die? Yeah, you know, Coppola in the Hearts of Darkness, yeah. in the documentary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah he goes, I saw it. Yeah, he said, I can't quit myself. Yeah, how can I quit myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I knew as many people we know that quit stand up and went into the you know regular job jobs, they still got it in them. It's still gnawing at their guts because the pri- to to quit yourself, the the defeat of that or that decision. How do you how do you let go of that? Pick the- up a bottle, <laughs> get an eight ball. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Buy a pound of pot and just sit in a room and watch Turner Classic movies all day. Mm-hmm. You That's know that you- guy? Yeah, they, you got to know a couple guys like that. I I know one guy has a bong cemented into a bowl, butt all around it. Yeah, and you know he the the worst thing you can do is have a trust fund. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, just well, just enough money to get by. I think those days are over. I don't think I got one unless no. there's a surprise somewhere that I don't know about. And I I pray for that sometimes. Oh god damn it! Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, yeah but you... I wouldn't quit. Mm. Look at look at Larry David. Look at Jerry Seinfeld. Ray Romano. They have enough money. They can go the rest of their lives without yeah. working. They still work because they have that they that fire. Yeah. yeah, they can't. Money tr- doesn't put it out. You know, some people some people I think when they get enough money stop. I don't it. see any shame in that. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah. There's no shame in quitting either. Because yeah. it's, a, well, no, it's a hard business. I know, I know. You're right, you're right. I can't blame anyone for, hey, I'm quitting. Good, uh, good sorry, sorry to hear that, but, but you know. Congratulations. You. <laughs> yeah, you came to that realization. <laughs> yeah. You can live with it, good for you. Good luck living with it. So how often are you doing the stand-up? Do you pace it out? Do you feel urgent about it? Do you go out like, I gotta get fucking three Well, you, when I got to LA, and Bud started open rooms in Reno, Tahoe, yeah. Vegas, yeah. New Orleans. So I basically said, I'm just going to work Bud's rooms yeah. and occasionally some other rooms yeah. and stay in town to audition and give myself that time. And that's worked out for me. Mm-hmm. In the long run, it has. Yeah. Not at the beginning. 
And right now, if my career goes just the way it's going now, I'm happy. Yeah. I have no, I don't want to be number one box office. You know, I mean, I'm 58, so, yeah. but I don't like, oh, I, you know, I had a shot at a sitcom like yeah. six, seven years ago. Didn't work out. Okay. What was, the, what was the angle? Free ride. I was the dad. It was on Fox, six yeah. episodes. It, it could have worked, I felt, but they gave up on it. Did that uh, hurt? Yeah. It's but hard. but I ne- here's the thing. People say, "Hey, this is it, man." Blah blah blah. You know, I and I, I know better. Mm-hmm. I was fifty. It's not I was it. Fifty two. No, this is not it. If it becomes it, fantastic. Yeah. But in my heart of hearts, I knew this could go away. So just enjoy it. Bank the money, which I did, and uh, and then when it was canceled, I thanked God for the opportunity and moved on. So you still got God. Yeah, and I don't know, and He's my God. Yeah. It's a God, even as a Catholic, I had this relationship with God. No, you're not the Catholic God. You're yeah. kind of my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or my woman. You're or Alternative Jesus. <laughs> not even an alternative Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, I, I believe, I'm, I call myself a believer. Right. And But that's it. I'm not, right. I, no organized Man, that's religion. good. Yeah, you're just able to realize it's not you, and there's probably something bigger. It, and you It know, is and, me, but it's more than me. Right. It, you know, it has to be me. Yeah. I can't let God, God help me yeah, yeah, with this yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. I need help. Yeah. Here's the best prayer you can say. What? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for my problems. Thank you for my successes. You know, fucking Kipling. Yeah. I don't get him. Yeah. I've had a much success and much failure yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I cannot treat those two imposters just the same. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't understand that poem. My dad read that to me when I was a kid. And I, that was a part I could never wrap my head around. The imposter's line? You know, it, 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 there's a line, it's called If. Yeah. But Roger Kipling goes, if you can meet with success and failure and treat those two imposters just the same. Sorry, can't do it. <laughs> They're not imposters. Because when you fail, you fucking fail. When you go out and the crowd looks at you like trout, yeah. you know, yeah. and or you get a part, those, that's a different feeling. Yeah. It's a different thing. So you, you still can't wrap your brain around that line? No, no. That it's like that 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 neither one of those define you necessarily. No, they don't define me, but they suck. <laughs> it sucks when you when you go up and have a shitty set, or yeah, have, yeah, yeah. you go in and you're in the middle of audition and you're nowhere. Yeah, you're you're just lost. <laughs> it just like and you're wasting their time and your time, and and they're writing down in notes like never have this guy in again. Alan, you know? who? <laughs> yeah, I've I, you know. Yeah, you're burning bridges. Yeah. And you're, oh, yeah. and you're not trying. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. just one thing to burn a bridge and really enjoy it. Yeah, with the fire. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. No, the burning bridges when you don't intend it, it's like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Why, well, I just read something about you burn bridges with several people. It was in yeah. GQ, I think. Yeah. Here's, I mean, how, here's how you screw up a career. You had like four oh, yeah, lessons yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 I, but I just have that capacity, and you probably have it too, that like, you know, if I say something cutting, it's not, you know, it's funny, but it's just too cutting. Right. And like, you know, it's like the grudge thing. Like, you can, you can say something to somebody that they will never forget. Yeah. Or forgive you for, you can do that. Oh, I've done that. Oh, oh, my my father was a professional, non solicited advice giver router. Yeah. So I felt it was my duty to tell people I know and strangers. Yeah, here's exactly what's wrong with you. <laughs> I felt, and I felt that my anger. People said, "Your anger." Well, isn't anger normal? Yeah, I true. thought anger was normal. I'm being honest. Yes, <laughs> this is the real me. Yeah, yeah. boy, did I fuck up. <laughs> It's important to get humbled, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is, uh, yeah, humility is a a beautiful thing. Yeah, because if you don't get humbled, you can't say thank you. Yeah, exactly. But thank you for doing this, Alan. It's great talking Uh, to you. My pleasure. It was great. (laughs) 
Okay, folks, that's it. That's the show. Uh, wasn't Alan Havy nice? Solid guy. Solid comic. Great talk. I saw Deaf Black Cat. He's okay. I'm just putting that out there. I think he's kind of screwed up because I'm getting up really early to go shoot. And I don't. I think we had a schedule going and now he's, he's not, you know, I'm not on it, so he's not on it. So I don't know. He was laying on the deck the other day, so I think he's okay. Unless I was hallucinating from NyQuil. WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Get that app if you want. Uh, you can get the most recent 50 episodes always for free, so that means every episode is free for six months. If you get the app and then upgrade to the premium app, you can you can listen to all 400 and some odd episodes at your leisure. Stream them right into your head. It's a good deal, and people are enjoying it, especially you newbies who are like, wow, why didn't I know about this before? Well, you can catch up from the, the first episode. If you read Brian Kobelman's piece... Uh, apparently the first 100 were the defining episodes because I was not together. Boomer lives!